0: Welcome back to the Baptist Friends Podcast with Dr. Clarence Sexton, where we gather around truth, friendship, and world evangelism. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining me. I, I deeply appreciate you being a part of all of this. And we're going to deal with the subject of preaching, and so that should interest everybody who's a preacher. And may God guide us and help us. When I'm thinking about the subject matter, I try to label the subject matter in a way that it would be interesting to you, maybe most interesting to you. So I've had the email sent to you about this uh, Shepherd Summit that says, my 75 best ideas on preaching. (laughs) And you may have gotten that, and I thought after I sent it, You may be thinking that these are 75 sermons, but I can send you ideas about sermons, but this is about the subject of preaching. And I've written here, Preaching Cranks the Engine. After more than half a century, I want to give you the 75 best ideas that I have on preaching. I've been blessed to hear and study under what I consider to be the world's greatest preachers. And it's been my privilege to witness the wonderful working of the Spirit of God. And uh, I desire to provide this witness to you. And so I'm praying that it'll be a blessing. And I'm hoping that it will be. We'll begin after we pray together. Uh, May God guide us. If you have questions for me during the time we're speaking, just send them and we can receive them, and I'll take the time before we finish to try to answer them. I have two questions this uh, past session a week ago that I didn't get to. Um, somebody's thanking me for the booklet on Ezra. The full-length book is coming. and. Um the question is, what would you recommend starting as a Sunday school series as we begin a new year? Well, I first hope you have a Sunday school. I like the idea <clears throat> of a graded Sunday school. I've written a book on the Sunday school. If you don't have the book, Big Ideas for a Better Sunday School, I'd like to send you the book. I have a magazine about the Sunday school. If you request it, I'll try to send it to you. But it's about Sunday school and how to teach a Sunday school lesson. But it's a little difficult for me to say, um, I have a a series. Well, I have nearly 40 teaching series, full length books that have study guides and, and student guides. And teacher guides, so we can provide literature for you and for your people. I'm not sure where you would want to start. I enjoy things like the 23rd Psalm. There's 13 Bible lessons on that. Or the book of 1 John. Uh, there are several books of the Bible. You may want to start in the book of Jude. There are 13 lessons on the book of Jude. But I can send you, if you don't have it, or you can find it online, I think, at uh, faithforthefamily.com, all the things that are available. And you need to just pray about what you think would be best for your church. Another question was, what do you do to help your people prepare for the work God wants you and you all to do in the coming year? Special meetings, a theme for the year, a sermon series. Well, we just pray about that. And um, we're dealing with the theme now, Build Your Life on the Bible. And as that, as that enlarges and develops, it may be something you want to use. Build your life on the Bible. And that's how we have started off this new year. But there's several like that. In the book I've written on the Sunday School, there's, uh, there are things like that to suggest to you what might be helpful to encompass the whole body of your church in these thematic things. But let me pray, and we want to start on this preaching because there's quite a bit of stuff to cover, and I hope it's helpful. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and mercy. And we thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to be a part of this and for putting in our hearts that we can share these things that might be helpful to all. In Christ's name, amen. I want to remind you that I was called to preach. There are many people, including Dr. John R. Rice, who did not emphasize so much a call to the ministry, but I believe God called me to preach. And uh, I have here... Some notes that I won't deal with in this lecture today by C.H. Spurgeon. Every Christian is called to spread the gospel. The propagation of the gospel is left not to a few, but to all the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, according to the measure of grace entrusted to them by the Holy Spirit, each man is bound to minister in his day and generation, both to the church and among unbelievers. Preachers are not made, they're called, so Spurgeon says. The life of the preacher is not one of choosing, but one of calling. There's no such thing as a preacher not called of God. Think of that. The uncalled man may claim the title of preacher, but they're really a speaker speaking man's powerless message. He's pretty tough on it, isn't he? Uh, one call to preach should be able to do nothing else but preach. And then there's a number of things that I have here written that he says should be evidence of your call to preach. Now, there's two pages of this, two type pages, and I've included at the end of it also uh, what John Newton said are requirements of a preacher's call. If you'd like to get these two pages, Just send me an email that you want them on the call to the ministry and I'll send them to you. Where are we going to start when we talk about the the greatest lessons I've learned on preaching and where we're going to start? These are very practical, simple, but I want you to get it. So number one, preaching begins with God. It begins with God not with people. When I started out preaching, preachers advised me and they said, read the newspapers, find out what people are dealing with. You get a lot of sermons from events that need to be spoken to. Well, I'll be the first to say that uh, some things need to be dealt with that are current events. I remember when I first opened the can of worms to say what was wrong with the Black Lives Matter movement and that it was started by two Marxist-trained people and what their agendas were and the disruption of the family. and uh, But I, I preached on a broader subject than just the Black Lives Matter, but I used the Black Lives Matter uh, and what they were doing as an illustration of what people were doing in placing the wrong emphasis, and still get a lot of comments about that. But Preaching begins with God. And how do we discern what it is the Lord wants us to say and when God wants us to say it? Uh, he says in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15 How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of of good things. So it's the desire. It is the desire of our God for people to hear the truth of his word. And we're his messengers make special note of how our Lord traces hearing about Christ back to the origin. Paul goes from calling upon the name of Christ to believing on the name of Christ, back to hearing the name of Christ, back to preaching and preachers being sent by the Lord. So I say to you, I've got to start somewhere. And we're going to talk about preaching. Somebody says to you, well, tell me about preaching. Well, I'm telling you about preaching. Preaching begins with God. It is God's desire that people know about it. So, He chooses human instruments to declare His message. And that's where I want to start with it. And so, that's not just a starting place. That's the praying place. Uh, that's the meditation place. Everything about your preaching involves your communion with the Lord and the impressions. I think every preacher has to learn how to hear from God and how God speaks to him and then be ready to write down what the Lord says. Most of you have heard the illustration about D.L. Moody walking down the street and God giving him so, th- so many things uh, to think about and preach about he had to stay the Lord's hand in the matter and said, this is all I could take right now. But I live every day of my life knowing that God is going to speak to me. And sermon things or sermon ideas or sermon beginnings can come anytime, anywhere. So you'd be ready to receive that. But we know God is going to speak to us. The Lord's desire is to communicate to us so we can communicate what he wants to others. So preaching begins with God. Number two, the first call to the preacher is the call to be with Christ. I want you to write this verse down. Very important. You'll, you'll do so much with this verse in Mark chapter 3 and verse 14. Mark three fourteen, And he ordained 12 that they should be with him. I want you to get that that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach. You see, we're so anxious to get forth to preach, to send the sending forth to preach, and what are we going to say? Where are we going to say it? Who are we going to say it to? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we just feel like some, some jittery person about preaching, but the call of the minister is a call to be with Christ. Truthfully, you have nothing to say, and You don't have the right way to say it unless you have this first call to be with Christ. It's called to be with him. And you will find in your ministry that you're running ahead of that all the time. Uh, I want to get in a hurry. You know, I'm a, I'm a man who wants to get it done and get it done in a hurry, but I'll talk to you a little later about preparation and the length of preparation, the meditation of preparation. But Preaching begins with God, and the first call is a call to be with Christ. What has He said to you? What impressions has He given to you? What impressions do you have of Him? Didn't He say, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest? Didn't He say, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me? So. Uh, Christ wants to teach us. He is is our, our study, and His passion and His purpose must be what we're consumed with. I may not go one, two, three, four, but the next thing I want to say to you is God has given us a biblical pattern for preaching. So when you look in the Bible, what pattern do you have for preaching? I've written a book, I think it's a helpful book, on becoming a first century church. And I take a number of subjects, I could pull it here, a number of subjects uh, from that book on becoming a first century church. But one of them is, what was preaching like in the first century? And I simply took the preachers that we know of in the first century, examined their lives, And what what were the things about them that we should emulate? I got a lot of that in that one chapter from something that uh, Dr. Peter Masters taught uh, to his people at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. And I appreciate his ministry and his influence on my life. But God has given us a biblical pattern for preaching. Here it is. It's in Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. And the Bible says there that we are to warn everyone. We are to teach every man and that we're to present every man perfect before God. Now, uh, the people we admire most in Scripture are men who were preachers. Think about it. Noah, Moses, Elijah, Paul, Timothy. And remember that the Lord Jesus was a preacher. But in Colossians, when Colossians, when God gives us that by the hand of the Apostle Paul, uh, through the inspiration of God, he gives us that passage in Colossians. Uh, there's something that really gripped my heart there, and I have never been able to get away from it. But I'm trying to find that particular part of the Bible I think about General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, because I can get a little mixed up. But Paul says to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach warning. Every man? Are you warning people? That's the pattern. Teaching every man, what are we teaching? Teaching differs from preaching, but you can't have preaching without teaching. You may have teaching without preaching, but you can't have preaching without teaching. That's what makes me think that every church is a school. Every church may not have a school, but every church is a school because we're teaching. And then here's the thing that I can't escape from teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. There's coming a day when I will say to the Lord, these are the people that you've given me. These are the people that I've taught. These are the people that I've ministered to, and I present them to you, Lord. And I want to see them grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and I want to see them Christ-like. The real measure we'll talk about is the Lord Jesus. The next thing I want to say to you is preaching God's word is the distinguishing characteristic of the New Testament church. If you want to have a New Testament church and you study what the Bible says about the New Testament church, you're going to find that. Preaching God's Word is the distinguishing characteristic of the New Testament church. Now, if someone came today and didn't know anything about churches or church church work, and they just wanted to find out by examining our churches, they may say that the distinguishing characteristic of the church is the organizational structure. They may say the distinguishing characteristic of the church is to have some religious program going. Look at your church. It has many elements, but there's one element that cranks the engine. There's one element that starts the motor. There's one element that God uses to influence everything else, and it is preaching. Preaching preaching. And so, are you a preacher? Preaching God's Word is the distinguishing characteristic of the New Testament church. Everything in the local church should reflect the influence of the preaching of God's Word. There's no greater influence on the church than the power of the pulpit. I think you're to write that down because You need not only to know it, you need to teach that to other people. You ought to have a a group of young preachers. We've got, what have we got, Stephen? Maybe 15, 20, 15 young men. These are boys that believe God's called them to preach. Teenage boys. And they have to have an opportunity to exercise their gift. I'm not talking about Crown College. We've got scores and scores of kids there. I'm talking about in the Temple Baptist Church, In our youth group, we have now 15 boys who believe that God's called them to preach. Well, I want them to know that there's no greater influence in our church than the power of the pulpit. I heard that expression for the first time from Lee Robertson. Uh, Believe it or not, he was going through a a real trial, and uh, I thought I was close enough to him, and I believe I was, to ask him how he was going to deal with this trouble. And he said, Clarence, never forget. I can't really speak like him in that powerful, commanding voice, but he said, never forget that I still have the power of the pulpit. (laughs) I never forgot that. And then may I say next that uh, preaching is God's ordained way to communicate the truths of his word. So, you're not just out there thundering, making noise. It's God's ordained way to communicate the truths of God's word. So, what is the content of it? You're heralding God's message, you're speaking for God. Now, if you want quick results, then preaching's not the way. People need the uninterrupted teaching and preaching of God's Word. So people need the uninterrupted, may I say it this way, the preaching and teaching of God's Word in order to build up their faith. So remember the power here of preaching and that it is God's ordained way to communicate the truths of His Word. Next, may I say to you that preaching God's Word is the primary means of growth in a church. Now, everybody's crazy about church growth. Matter of fact, in my more uh, uh, immature days, I wrote a lot of things about church growth. I even did a, a lecture that I gave lots of places on here we grow again, here we grow again. And I was stupid enough and ignorant enough, and most people start out that way, and I still got a lot of ignorance, but I was stupid enough to make growth the goal. When you make growth the goal in your life and ministry, you have ceased to make God the goal. And making growth the goal uh, is, a, is, a, is a blight on the local assembly. So, But it is preaching and the declaring of God's word That is the means, it's the primary means. It's not everything we do, but it's the primary means of growth in the local church. God uses the preacher of his word to build his church. The Lord Jesus said, I will build my church. Did he say that? Did he say that? Did he say, I will build my church? He didn't say, You will build my church. He did not say, I will build your church. He said, I will build my church. And the primary means, not the only thing, but the primary means God uses in growing a church is the preaching of his word. And then may I say to you that preaching is the declaration of truth. Preaching is the declaration of truth. You're declaring it. You're declaring it. As truth has been revealed to men by God in Jesus Christ. The truth of God has something to say about everything that happens in the world today. There's nothing of more eternal value than delivering God's word to people. We are speaking for God to the people. And may I add to that, not only are we speaking for God to the people, we are speaking in the presence of God for God. That's a sobering thing. I really found that thought in, in the book that I've reprinted on um, the life of God and the soul of man because uh, Henry Scroggle made clear that we were speaking for God in God's presence. It's like me talking about someone I love, and they're standing there listening to everything I say about them. That'll affect your preaching. Uh, in, in a in a in a good way, in the fact you're preaching that you're speaking about the Lord, and you're speaking about the Lord in the presence of God. It'll correct some of this flesh fit we have. We all have it. I had one recently, and I looked out across the congregation. I saw somebody that I know is living for the devil, and I just lit into them. And somebody said, well, how'd it go? It didn't go so well. It didn't go so well. It's like I heard R.G. Lee when he was alive and well and preaching. R.G. Lee said he saw somebody licking their lips in his congregation, just licking their lips. And he said, it made me think they'd been drinking liquor. And he said, so I just got off what I was preaching on and <laughs> tore, into, tore into the evils of alcohol. And he said, I ripped it up one side and down the other. But but there is a spontaneity in preaching. And we have to we have to see if that's really just getting in the flesh or, or if it's really the Lord leading. We like to say all these things God led us to do. Boy, the Lord's gotten a lot of credit for things, hasn't He? And some of it, He'd like to say, that really belonged to your flesh and not to me. But Preaching is the declaration of truth as truth has been revealed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I want you to write this down, would you please? Preaching produces preaching. How many would like to have more medical people working to help people? Would like to have more nurses? You know how you get more nurses? Get a nurse doing what she'll be doing. And uh, you want more people playing a piano? Get a pianist. And uh, everything reproduces after its own kind. Preaching, preaching will produce preaching. I can remember when I listened in the tent crusade. We were having a tent crusade in Blount County, uh, Tennessee, in Maryville, Tennessee. Man, I tell you what, God has stirred my heart. I'd surrendered my life to the Lord, and I said, wherever something's going on, I want to be in it. So we had a two-week tent crusade, and they invited Dr. C.E. Autry. Dr. C.E. Autry. If any of you people find a a message of him on cassette or internet preaching, see if you can find it for me. I'd just love to hear him preach again. But I sat there near the front under that tent listening to Dr. Autry preach, and God was using him to stir my heart. I wasn't a preacher, I wasn't surrendered to preach, but I thought if I ever preach, I want to preach like this man. If I'm ever in a pulpit handling the Bible and speaking the word of God, I want to speak it like this man. And you know, God used that. Preaching produces preaching. And it'll crank your heart up to do something. The hearts of God's people are stirred as they hear God's word preached in the power of the holy spirit and with all your with all your preparing and understanding and studying uh, seek to speak god's word in the power of god's spirit and let him use you as you are then may i say the aim of preaching is the glory of god don't miss that that's another thing you ought to write down the aim of preaching is the glory of god you see, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10 30, 31. 1031. And uh, most preachers are more concerned. Now, you got to get this. Most preachers are more concerned about what people think about them than they are what people think about God. But when the man who's preaching, dies to self, and is more concerned and consumed by what people think about God than what they think about Him, it changes his life in preaching. But that's a very difficult thing to deal with in your own personal life. And so I I, I say to you, uh, what I have learned, the aim of preaching is the glory of God it's not style. You, you know, every sermon has has um, art and science. Science being the content, art being the delivery. And, and don't don't try to enhance the delivery. Uh, be full of God in content, but be yourself. The Lord wants to use your human instrument you you he wants to use you vance havner said one time in a meeting that um, i was in listening to him and he said uh, i once knew an evangelist named cyclone joe and his idea was it might have been cyclone sam anyway he was cyclone something and he said uh He said, I am going to be original or nothing. This is Vance Havner talking, and he wouldn't have yelled like that. Vance Havner just spoke with a quiet, soft voice and read every word he said. You you actually were sitting on the edge of your seat waiting for his next word. But when he said, he said, I'll be original or nothing. Then Dr. Havner said he was soon both. You know? so. I don't know, be yourself, but always get back to the aim. Why are you preaching? What are you preaching for? The aim of your preaching as I've said to you is for the glory of God. We, we just so thirsty to hear somebody come out and say that was the greatest sermon I ever heard. My life will never be the same. Well, somebody may be saying, that's the worst thing I ever ever tolerated. But be more concerned about what people think about God in your preaching than you are what people think about you. There are two ingredients in preaching. I've covered them already, but I want you to write them down. Delivery, that's the art, and content. Those are the two ingredients. The science of preaching. Be the best preacher you can be. And uh, don't deliberately bore people to death, but place the emphasis on the content. Don't de-emphasize the delivery. Uh, John Bassanio said one time in a lecture, and I was listening to his lecture, he said that the guy playing baseball in the minor leagues is throwing the same baseball that the major league pitcher, pitcher is throwing the only difference is the delivery, and that stuck with me. So I think about the delivery, how we open a message, how we keep the interest, merely keep our interest in preaching it, and uh, coming to the coming to the invitation. But the delivery and the content—you're thinking about it. Then preach God's word in God's power, not in word only. For the, our gospel came not unto you in word only. This is 1 Thessalonians 1, 1.5. And you know, you might want to make a little meditation time on that, that you can give things just in word only. Well, I said it. They heard it. I gave it to them. Yes, in word only. But Paul wrote the church in Thessalonica and said, What I gave you in the gospel was not just in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. 1 Thessalonians 1 5. Then the preacher needs to develop a place to study. Let's talk about that for a moment. I didn't even think about that early on in ministry, but I had a friend named Dr. Raymond Smith. Dr. Raymond Smith was the pastor of a great church when I knew him, but he took a special interest in me. And unlike many other people that I knew were preachers, Dr. Smith was a graduate of Moody Bible Institute. In the old days, Moody Bible Institute, not one of the Baptist schools or Southern Baptist schools or Southern Baptist seminaries. He was a graduate of Moody Bible Institute. And there was something about the way he handled the Word of God. There's something about the way he gave the Bible that caught my attention and the way he gave the word of God. It was always the word of God. We always knew when we heard Dr. Raymond Smith preach, it was going to be a Bible sermon, always. And he's the man who said, you need a place to study and you need to study. Eventually, when he retired, he's the man who sold me any book I wanted. his library for a dollar. And so the books I have now that I cherish most came from Dr. Raymond Smith's library and I paid a dollar for them. I remember when Evelyn and I drove, drove to Dr. Smith's study and uh, we were scraping coins out of the seats of the car and everything else because he meant business about it. He wasn't gonna give me the books, I had to pay a dollar for each one. And I, I'm trying to remember exactly, but I the most I could get and she could scrape them, and we didn't have, I started to say something that Southern people say, but uh, we didn't have anything but we scraped together 70, I think it was $78. That was a fortune. I mean, I was buying tires from used tire stores for, for $20. And, uh, but Dr. Smith let it be known that he was going to sell his library and he wanted me to have first shot at it. And I could have any book in it for a dollar. And I thought $78 was a fortune. And I, I can still remember my darling wife, God bless her she's always been this way. how willing she was to say yes, go right ahead, take every dime we've got <laughs> and uh, uh, you know we'll find something to eat but you can take you can take these 78 dollars. I wish I had I wish I had the opportunity to park that car again and have that conversation. I've got more money to go to somebody's library now. I don't think $78 would be the strain it was, but that was precious that we could agree to do that. And that those tools I was going up to Dr. Smith's library to purchase. Uh, (laughs) She was, she was as excited as I was and we got cardboard boxes and Started loading them up. It's precious, people. It's precious. And uh, Dr. Smith taught me about preparing a place. I wrote a few little notes here. Uh, place the most helpful and often used resources near your place of study word study books, commentaries, dictionaries, all, all those kinds of things are most helpful to me. So, I've got about, you know, it should be larger than this, but i got eight or 9,000 books now in my library and study at home and have a beautiful study at home. But I should have something going on after 50-something years. It should be larger than that. But where I sit like this, I can reach with my hand the things I use most. And I see some of you sitting near your books. That's good. Very good. Don't allow things to distract you. And Dr. Smith said now when you get to your desk you've got to have a clean clear space at your desk because you'll see something that you've laid down there on your desk and it'll it'll, it'll 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 say to you come and get come and read me a while come and pay attention to me. Would you like to look at this again? So he said get you a clean space so that when you when you lay out things nothing's going to distract you this way. Then remember that study is more perspiration than inspiration. When I first started preaching, I said to my pastor, Dillard Hagan, Brother Hagan, I'm not, I'm not inspired sometimes like I ought to be. He said, inspired? I thought he was going to kill me. He said, inspired? He said, getting God's work done is not inspiration. It's perspiration and just blood, sweat, and tears. I guess he had heard. I guess I guess he had heard Churchill. But anyway, the the whole thing is, you got to work at it. The preacher who does not develop a disciplined life will not be the preacher that God wants him to be. Preaching requires great discipline, and the discipline and study must precede always the discipline and activity and preaching. And my wife has allowed me to separate myself and study. When my children were little, they were welcome to come in, crawl around, do lots of things. But my wife taught them to respect the time I was giving to God in study. And so you develop... Develop a place of study. You may have 10 books or you may have 10,000 books, but you have a place to study. You got something to write with, write on. And habits are hard to break. So I've got all my habits about study and collecting things are without computers. You see, I've been at a long time. And uh, my brother's constantly on me about those kind of things because I can pull back up things. In computers, but unfortunately or fortunately, I have such wonderful people working with me. They can find all the things I tell them the goats eating and they've lost and you know I've misplaced. But it is so important. I love the idea that God Himself has called me to a life where I I can speak this way and enjoy study. Oh. I want to try to get ahead of myself all the way up. Then the next thing, try not to accept invitations for late Saturday night. That seems like a simple thing, doesn't it? But you know, before long, people start asking you to come and speak. And they want you to drive five or six hours or speak on Saturday night and have to drive back in the middle of the night, wee hours of the morning. I don't do that. I know... That there's a there's a sanctified set apart, there's a sanctified set apart time for things. For me to be preaching. I could, I could, I can miss lots of things. You know, we we visit every hospital in Knoxville every day. Uh, we got a lot going on. We've got all of our shut-in families and sunshine ministry and lots of things. And you've got lots of things. That's why I'm talking about discipline. I know what will happen with me on the Lord's Day and then I know what I do on Mondays. You see, Sunday is the Lord's Day. There are things I won't do on the Lord's Day because it's the Lord's Day. There are things I will do on the Lord's Day. There are things I will not do in preparation for the Lord's Day. Every day is a Lord's Day, but one day is the Lord's Day. And you could ask me, to do something for you on, and I'll say, what day is it? And if I know the day, I don't keep up with the the number numerical days. I said once to Lee Robertson, I couldn't tell you what the day is. He said, I can't either. I said, whoa, at least I've got one thing like you. And uh, he didn't keep up, but he knew what he did on, he knew what he did on Sunday, what he did on Monday, what he did on Tuesday, what he did on Wednesday. He didn't care what Tuesday it was, but what he did on Thursday, what he did on Friday, what he did on Saturday. And I'm I'm a man like that. And so it helps me. And I've written over 50 books and published them and many booklets and lots of other helpful things. But I could never have done any of that without routine and discipline. I couldn't have done it. And so setting goals for myself and then having to do goals and to be goals, short-term goals and long-term goals. All of that's a part of preaching. Let me ask you here something. How long have you been preaching? Write the number down. What do you hope to have accomplished from your body of work? What do you hope to have accomplished from your body of work? And uh, I've got to finish all the Psalms. And uh, I've got to finish 150 psalms. And I I think I'm down because I'm publishing books on 13 psalms in each. And some of the psalms require 13 messages on that particular psalm, like Psalm 51 or Psalm 23, uh, Psalm 119, whatever the case may be. But in other words, you're working on these things. You know what? It's not just what you're putting out. It's what God is doing with you. How is he building you as a preacher? Very important. I hope some of this stuff helps you. But anyway, uh, try not to accept invitations for late Saturday night. Preaching requires rest. Preaching requires energy. Preaching requires clarity of mind. And remember that you've been you've given yourself to God as a preacher. And the preacher needs a good night's rest on Saturday night. Now, you may have an emergency that occasionally, every once in a great while happens, but don't make it a habit of wearing yourself out. The preacher must be up early on Sunday morning preparing his heart so that he will be ready to preach the Word of God. So you're protecting Saturday evenings because you're protecting what you're going to be doing with your life on the Lord's Day. You understand that? And that's a part of preaching. That's something God has taught me. You may not like it. You may not want to do it. That's okay. I'm just telling you how, how God's affected me. And every message, write this down, must have two births. It must be born once in the study. And cre- preaching requires planning, and so you're planning. I just finished the 17th chapter of John. and. Uh, now I'm speaking on this Wednesday evening on the 18th chapter of Luke and the first parable Jesus said, men always to pray. But every message must have two births, one in the study, the other in the pulpit. And do you know uh, the study is so precious and that's where that's where what you're going to say is born. It gets a birth there. Now sometimes, I've had the most amazing children in study. And those, things, those kids have been, whoa. I mean, this is hallelujah stuff. This is wonderful what God taught me while I was studying. I'm so excited about it. I can't wait to get that child to the pulpit and, 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 and talk about it. I'm talking about the sermon. And those rats. Those rats have laid down and played dead. I mean, they lived big in the study. They jumped up and down, climbed the walls. They were the greatest lights. I'm telling you, nobody, nobody since time began ever got a hold of anything, anything got a hold of him like that. But I can't believe that same thrilling thing that I was so thrilled with that walked and talked and breathed and lived in the study laid down and died on me in the pulpit. Have you ever seen that happen? And no, no matter what you did, I tried. I tried to smack him around and get him up. And, you know, I, I tried to kick him in the teeth while he was down. Outside. I tried everything I could do to get that, to get that sermon up again. <laughs> but he just, he wouldn't do it. He just wouldn't do it. So he lived big in the study. It doesn't happen often, but he just he just plain died on me in the pulpit. He just died. I don't know what to do about that. You ever been disappointed in the children? I tell you, <laughs> you see what I'm talking about. So I'm just trying to tell you that uh, you've got to keep it going, right? The next thing, preparation for a sermon delivery begins with prayer and planning. With prayer and planning, Uh, you say planning. Now, let me tell you about Greenback Memorial Baptist Church in Greenback, Tennessee. A little country village of 350 people, just as good as good could be. I, I think all of them had a garden, and they wanted me in their garden. They wanted to show me what they'd grown, and they shared their garden with me and with Evelyn and with the boys. That's where Everett and Hedy Wilson used to cook fried chicken, uh, mashed potatoes and gravy, uh, iced tea, hot bread. Oh, once a week, they'd have the preacher down at the table. And that always oh, wonderful, wonderful. But I learned something. I learned lots of things there. But I learned to plan my preaching. And I would say, I'm going to preach on something. And some of those dear country people, special people would say, how do you know God wants you to do that? And I would say, well, I've been studying this and I'm going I'm to preach on this on Wednesday night or I'm going to preach on this on Sunday night. I'd announce it on Sunday morning. Well, some of those people just couldn't understand how I could communicate with God, and God could communicate with me, and I could plan my preaching. But I couldn't preach it if I didn't plan. I had to keep planning, keep planning. And so I realized that you may disagree with me. So wait a minute, fashion your seatbelt, please. I I I I I I want you I want you to pull a little tighter right now. Because some of you may think this is. This is this is this is uh, this is something I can't go here. Well, I'm going to tell you anyway. Okay, it's all God's word. The Bible says all scripture is given man's praise from God. It's all God's word. All of it. And if you're going to get done what you need to get done, you're going to have to plan what you're going to preach on. And this this planning. Uh, and praying as you plan, and asking God to use you. You're going to have to have the confidence that God gave this word. And it's not the word not living, it liveth and abideth forever. It's that we've got to be filled with His Spirit and anointed by His, His Spirit to preach His word. Um, I have I have a book. I don't know. Would you hand me that book over there? I just got a new copy of it because uh, I like that with a pink cover underneath. Right? Pink cover underneath. So. Yeah, right. There you go. Um, I just got this book. Pray I'll get this book reprinted. It's not mine. It's a book by W.A. Criswell. It is on the Holy Spirit in today's world. Everybody needs to get a copy of this book. And I need to print it with Crown Publications. And uh, this copy has 242 pages. It's the best book on the Holy Spirit, most practical book on the Holy Spirit I ever read. Somebody put a copy of this. This is a new copy that I've found on a use. But somebody put a copy of this in my hands when I was just a young preacher. I loved Chris well and followed him and followed his ministry. And he wrote this book, The Holy Spirit in Today's World. And the truth of the matter is um, learning the Holy Spirit, knowing the Holy Spirit, getting acquainted with the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit of God to use you in your life and and and, and come alongside you and enable you. That's that's what I'm talking about. I've got I've got legal pads. That stacked to this ceiling, I guess, and full of sermon ideas, plans, and thoughts. And these are things God gave me. God talked to me about. So uh, I can't do them all at one time. I just can't do it. But I can write them down, and God will bring me back to them. So preparation for sermon delivery begins with prayer and planning. That may be a good place just to stop and finish the other things later. I've got some questions you've sent in. Uh, What is your weekly routine for sermon preparation? Well, I'm working on sermons all the time. I'm sermonizing all the time. I love I love planning preaching. See, I, I believe that preaching helps guide the church. So the preaching I do is connected with whatever else I'm doing in the church. So um, I just finished this series on, on the high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus. I'm trying to help our church to be more fervent in prayer. Because I know we're going to face a lot of difficulties. And we're not going to be able to make it if the Lord doesn't see us through this way. So I'm constantly working on it. And I want to preach. I want to preach everything that's in this Bible. Now, I'm not saying that just as a phrase to use. I mean, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, all of it. All the Old Testament, all the New Testament. And I've done it. I know what books in the Old Testament I haven't preached on. I know what books in the New Testament I haven't preached. And I don't want to repeat anything. I want to get it all because it's all a book about God. Listen to this. It's all a book about God. And every every book is a book in the book about God. And each book tells us something about God distinct. And it's, it's just that way. And if I don't don't study and pray and preach at all, there's something God wants me to know about himself that I'm not going to get. And there's something our people need to know about God that they're not going to get. So that's my idea about it. So if I see something I haven't preached on, i got to run to it and find out what's God saying to me about himself there. What's the Lord telling us? And uh, so... This this is this is powerful to me. I've I've got a book I'm printing. When will the book be finished and be in people's hands? Ezra. February. February. February middle of February. February. Middle to the end of February. I'm so excited about the book of Ezra. It's it's re- a return to God and to biblical worship. I can't wait to get that in people's hands, but. I was thrilled to be able to deliver that to our people. So, anyway, it's work and every day, there's not a just one day, but every day I'm working some on it, reading, but working. I mean, I need to be a little more specific. And what's the key to preaching without notes? Exercise your memory. I think the way you study and prepare has everything to do. Now, look, if you preach the Bible and tell people what's in the Bible, that helps you do that because you're just explaining what you read in the Bible. One of my preacher friends, unfortunately, took his own life, said to me, you your preaching is too simple. It's just too simple. And I last time I heard him preach, he had six large illustrations in his sermon. And I'm sure he worked hard to memorize each of those stories and use that illustration. But I couldn't tell you one thing he said from the Bible. I couldn't tell you one thing. And I love the man. Uh, so it's it's a maybe it's a style, but Dr. Crystal influenced me. Uh, what about we take a day just to talk about that, about the style people have in preaching and preaching without notes and things like that. It's too much to jump into and just, you know, do a hit and run. How much reading do you try to get done? I would say I've been challenged to be a reader and it's probably five or six books a week to keep me fresh and interested. And uh, I carried two brand new things y'all ordered for me home with me yesterday. And it's not all about preaching. Uh, Max had been going on and on about the life of Henry Ford. Finally, I got the book and I want to read it. But I'll be reading it and I'm reading it now, but I'm also reading it with three or four other things. Um, what type of books do you enjoy most? Well, if I had the time, and I did at one time, biography. Uh, look, I've got a, a book list I put together for pastors and Christian workers. I'll send it to you. spent 40 years putting it together. I should charge you $1,000 for it, but I'll give it to you if you want it. But it's got the best books on a particular subject a Bible subject that I have found, and I've used a lot of resources about it. Uh, how much does reading impact my preaching? That's another question. So I said, has everything in the world to do with it? For example, I was reading McCaslum's biography of um, uh, uh, of Oswald Chambers, Abandoned to God. And I really enjoyed it. Oswald Chambers is quite a story. You know, he never wrote 27 books were published. He never wrote one of them. His wife wrote them. She was a stenographer and she just did a reference. recorded everything he said. He died suddenly in Egypt and she was left with all his notes. And so she put it out. My utmost for his highest is something she put together. And it's wonderful. That needs to be reprinted and, and, uh, in the authorized version of verses, and I'm trying to find that to do it. But anyway, in that one book, um, he talked about a word, the word slightly, slightly. God really used that. So that thought, that thought just captured me. And the reading you're doing does that kind of thing to you um, someone gave me a, a modern author's book on pioneering and how the west was pioneered and i got a lot of good thoughts from that about the pioneering work that we need to do in church planning so we need to do a session sometime on reading i love it and would you all like to do that and I I could bring a stack of books here and different types of books that have been a blessing to me. I'd be happy to do it. Anything you think will help you, you know. Uh anything you think would help you. Um, I'll be happy to do it. Just don't take me as an authority. I'm just a guy on the sidelines throwing my ideas in and this an exchange of ideas. And if one of them can help you, I'll rejoice and we'll we'll talk about it more in glory, won't we? When we get to glory, we'll talk more about it, right? So I've got to finish the other half of this on preaching. And we'll do that the next time. It's all right with you. Thank you for listening today. God bless you. Would you pray with me, please? And pray for us here. We've got a great meeting coming up on our faithful men's meeting. And then you ought to be hearing all about our uh Couples Conference in Gatlinburg. I'm doing a little thing today to send it out, and I'll send you a copy of it when I get it done. But let's pray together. James, lead us in prayer, will you please? Can you lead us in prayer and ask God to guide us and help us? I'm glad I'm glad all of you all are in here today. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the things we've heard today, and we're grateful for Pastor Sexton taking the time to speak to us about how The Lord Jesus Christ has guided him and helped him help all of us as we seek to prepare ourselves and to prepare messages that glorify the Lord Jesus and draw people to him. We're thankful that we're promised that as he is lifted up, he'll draw people to himself. And so bless each preacher that's here today. Bless them and help them. Use them for thy glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You boys behave yourself today. I don't want to read about you in the newspaper or something bad. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Baptist Friends Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. And join us next time as we continue to gather around truth, friendship, and world evangelism.